All right. I uh, am Adam Lowry. I'm the associate pastor here. Pastors Kurt and Emily are on sabbatical, a much-needed rest. Um, it's a good thing. Our board, thank you to them for, for seeing this and, and saying last year, hey, you guys need to take a rest as a family. They are in Hawaii right now. We asked them yesterday if they arrived. They're like, we just got here. We ate an amazing food truck, and, uh, and they were driving uh, along the coast, and I know they're being blessed. They're resting, and they need that. So thank you guys for uh, supporting them in that, and uh, we thank the board for, for letting them do that. All right, I am honored and humbled to be sharing today, uh, specifically because it's the July 4th weekend. I love America, um, and I, I'm so happy to be able to, to share a message that I think, uh, well, I want to explain why I love America. That's what I'm going to do throughout this message. But as I was getting ready for this, I realized that as much as I love America, I don't love it as much as some other people in this country. For instance, I read about a guy who his uh, HOA wouldn't let him put up an American flag. So this was his solution. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I love America to, enough to do that. I don't know if I would do that. Uh, and then this next picture, it's of a guy who, he loves America so much, it's just burning within him. Uh, let's take a photo. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, when I see that, the word America, you have to take out a syllable, right? It has to be America. America, right? I love America, but I don't know if I love it that much. All right, you can take that down. That's just awkward. All right. Again, today I want to share a message on why I love this country. Um, and I do recognize and, and I value the fact that when we come together, we are here to glorify God. We are not here to glorify a country. Amen? Um, so that is not what I'm trying to do today. And hopefully this message just draws us all back to focusing on God. Um, but I do love this country. I do recognize that it's flawed. I do recognize that there have been times in history that we have not handled things right. We have not treated people right. But I still believe that this is a country called by God uh, that, has, that was built on a dream and has the destiny to change this world. Okay? So we're in the middle of the series, Dream to Destiny. This is actually not one of those messages. All right? Uh, we have done the pride test and the pit test. Uh, next week, Pastor Harmony will be sharing the prophetic test. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss that. This message, um, and I promise you, this isn't like, hey, Pastor Kurt took off, and I'm just changing the rule book. I know he told you guys we were going to be sticking to a plan here, um, but he, he and I actually spoke about this beforehand. We knew this was going to be kind of a special service uh, with the holiday weekend. He wanted something special here, so this is a little bit different. But as I started to put this message together, it's amazing what God does because I realized that what I was sharing on was the dream of what America can be and the destiny that we have. So this message although not part of the series, is called America Dream to Destiny, okay? So as I knew I was going to be sharing this message, I was reading through scripture a couple weeks ago. I didn't really know what I was going to be sharing on yet. Um, and I read this, this verse in Exodus, uh, and I, I, it just, it wouldn't leave me. Does that ever happen to you guys? You read something, and you're just like meditating on it for a couple days. And it's kind of a weird verse, so I was like, God, why, why can't I forget this one? The verse is Exodus 9.16. It says, but indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain. This is talking to Pharaoh. In order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. And it hit me that there are times and there are, there are people, and I believe nations, that God raises up in order to make his name great in all the earth. And I was reading later on in Psalm 106, 4 through 8, King David kind of shares the same, same thing. It says, Remember me, O Lord, in your favor toward your people. Visit me with your salvation, that I might see the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I might rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I might glory with your inheritance. We have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. 
Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. God raises up people and nations in order to make his name known in all the earth. Ezekiel shares about this as well. as It's, it's a prophetic picture of God bringing the Israel people, the Israelites, the Jewish people back from the four corners of the earth, back to the land that he promised them. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 23. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show you the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. He wants to make his name known in this world. Amen? And the reason I can stand up here and I can say I love America isn't just because I love America. It isn't just because I'm super patriotic. It's because I believe that it was with this purpose, to make make the name of the Lord known in all the earth, that we were founded. And I believe we have a destiny to do that. Let's go all the way back to the pilgrims. All right? We hear all the time that that this nation was founded on Christian principles. I want to dive into what some of those principles are. I want to go all the way back to the pilgrims. And it's funny, this, again, to be clear, I'm going to make this as as confusing as possible. This is not part of the Dream to Destiny series. But God just lined this up. I'm like, man, as I'm sharing on this, I guess I could call it the pilgrim test. But it's not part of the series, so we can't, right? I was sharing this with Kate beforehand. She said, or the Patriot test. So whatever, you can pick whatever P you want this one to be. Just remember, it's not part of the series, so I don't get in trouble when Pastor Kirk gets back, okay? Did you know that before the pilgrims moved here, they actually, as a people group, studied with their pastor what a God-fearing uh, na- a nation would look like? What would a nation look like that would have the values to make name the name of the Lord great in all the earth? They studied this under their pastor before coming here. And when they came here, they put out something called the Mayflower Compact. Does anybody know it or heard of it? Yeah. Right? The Mayflower Compact. At the very beginning, this is a declaration of what this nation is supposed to be. At the very beginning of it, it has these words having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith in honor of our king and country a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. For the glory of God. This is why this nation exists. This document would go on to uh, heavily influence our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Now guys, I want to say this again. I recognize that we have not always done it right. Right? We're a flawed people. We make mistakes. I'm not saying that America is perfect, but I do believe that at our core, we were founded for the glory of God, and I believe that God has blessed this nation because of it. This was a mandate that the pilgrims had when they came over here. This is what this nation will be about. And building upon this mandate, we actually erected in this nation what is called the monument to, the, to our forefathers. Does anybody know about this monument? I don't expect to see a whole lot of hands going up. This thing's pretty crazy. It's uh, the largest solid granite granite monument in the world, and it's in Vermont, and nobody knows about it. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. Let's take a look at a picture of it here really quick. The picture on the left shows just how tall this thing is. I think it stands 81 feet tall. Um, And on the right, I I just put that up there so you guys can see it a little bit closer. Now, I wish that I could dive into what this monument represents. I could spend uh, probably an hour plus sharing about all the little intricacies that really speak to what this nation was founded on. But I just want to highlight this very quickly to show you what the dream of America was when it was founded, okay? That statue up top is, uh, it's it's a woman. She has a wreath upon her head. She's holding a book in her left hand, and the pages are being riled. 
Underneath it, it says faith. And it represents that as a nation, our faith is in God. We recognize that our wisdom comes from heaven. We believe in his word and the spirit, the breath of his spirit blowing through our nation. That is what this nation was founded on. And when that, when, once we have that set in place, you can do the pillars of a society that will glorify God and make his name known in all the earth. And what are those pillars that are represented by the statues underneath there? That are morality, law, education, and liberty. This nation was founded on faith, morality, law, godly education, and liberty. Amen? This is why when I say I'm proud to be an American, it's these ideals, these values. It isn't even really about America. I'm proud to be a part of something that says, God, we want to make your name great. These are the ideals that this country was founded on. All right. We just said this. Someone had the answer to this. How old is America? Does anybody remember? 246 tomorrow. (laughs) 245 right now. America as a nation is 246 years old. That seems pretty old. Kids, does anybody know anyone who's 246 years old? (laughs) Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents? I don't see any hands. Okay, good. I thought I might catch somebody on that one. We don't know anybody that's 246 years old. That seems old. But in reality, in, in context of other nations in the world, we're actually pretty young. America's 246, but if we look at the three oldest nations in the world, it's actually Vietnam at 2,879 years old, Egypt at 3,100 years old, and Iran at 3,200 years old. Vietnam caught me off guard. I didn't expect it to be at the top of that list. In relation to other nations in this world, we're pretty young. We're babies, exactly. And yet being pretty young, we're one of the most prosperous, influential countries in this world. Why is that? I believe it's because we are a country that at its core was founded to make the name of God great in this world. In, in this world. Amen? And in that short 246 years, there are many stories that I can tell you. We've been talking about the dream. What is America supposed to be? What did we found this country on? What was the dream that America was? And now we're talking about that, moving through that dream to the destiny. In that 246, 245 years old, I could share many stories about how God has used this country to change the world for his purposes and to make his name great. But I have one in particular that I want to share. And in honor of our senior lead pastors, Kurt and Emily Chamberlain, who are on vacation, I want to share another, a story about another Chamberlain. This is just by chance, by the way. I love this story. I, didn't re- I actually didn't realize what his name was. I was like, this is great. I'm going to get a raise when he gets back. <laughs> I want to share a story about Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain of the Union Army during the Civil War. Colonel Chamberlain would have been raised with these values. He understood that we as a nation and and as individuals have to have our faith in God. We have to realize that our wisdom comes from heaven, that we believe in his word and we know that his spirit is moving in our lives. He knew those values. He wanted to fight for those values. Colonel uh, Chamberlain grew up um, in a Christian home. His parents actually thought that he'd become a pastor. He went to college. He was a professor. They say that he taught almost every subject except for science and math. He was very smart. He knew multiple languages. He studied the Greek and the Latin so that he could really know the word. He was a man who really loved God. And, uh, and then he ended up, he was the, the head of his choir in church, church choir during college. Um, he went to three years of seminary. And then during that time, while he was teaching and he was studying, he, this, this, the Civil War began, and he felt convicted to fight for the rights that he believed were, were what this country was founded on and the values. And he joined the Union Army without even telling his family. And the way that it worked back then in some of these areas, 
uh, you didn't need to have experience. He had no military background. He was one of the first ones to sign up, so hey, you get to be colonel. <laughs> the next one signed up, I guess, gets to be a general, and so on and so forth. So he was put in charge of this uh, regiment. And uh, I could share his story, but there's a short video. This guy shares it better. He knows it better. So turn your eyes to the screen. Let's watch this really quick. And on July 3rd, 1863, he was placed three quarters of the way up a hill. And they told this guy, they said, whatever you do, you can't leave here. They said, the enemy is going to try to breach our line through you. And if they come through you, they'll get behind us and they'll catch us on a downhill charge. And they'll wipe us all out. They said, if disaster strikes, it will have come through you. They told this man, they said, Joshua Chamberlain, you are the extreme left edge of this line of 80,000 men that runs from you all the way into that town over there called Gettysburg. Well, they spent the entire morning laying up a rock wall. It's, it's amazing. I've been there. It's, it's like 110 yards long with, with pie plate sized rocks stacked one on top of each other like thigh high over a gentle rise with a, with a big stone right in the middle. And at 2.30 in the afternoon, they took the first charge from the 15th and 47th Alabama. And Chamberlain and his men of the 20th Maine pushed them back. The 15th and 47th Alabama charged again and again. And on the fourth charge, Chamberlain took a bullet dead center in the belt buckle. He fell over, rolled around, realized he wasn't hurt, got back up, kept fighting, and they pushed him back down the hill again. They'd started in Bangor, Maine six months earlier with 1,000 men. They'd started that morning with 300. Now they're down to 80 and out of ammunition. Chamberlain's brother, Tom, came over and said, we're leaving, right? And Chamberlain said, no, Tom, we're not going anywhere. Sergeant Tozier, the old battle sergeant, came over and said, sir, shall I sound the retreat? He said, no, sergeant, we will not retreat. He said, sir, we're out of ammunition. Chamberlain said, have the men gather ammunition from the dead and the wounded. And the sergeant said, we did that last time. We're out. The 12-year-old lookout said, they're reforming. They're being reinforced. And up the hill... They came with that weird rebel yell. And they, they advanced behind trees and they fired and came behind the tree, reloaded and fired and just advancing up again. The hill ended and Chamberlain's brother said to him, he said, for God's sake, do something, say something, make a move, make a decision. And Chamberlain said, fix bayonets. They looked at him like he was crazy. And he yelled it. He said, fix bayonets. And up and down the line, you could hear the steel on the steel as these men put their knives on their empty weapons. And then Chamberlain turned to the sergeant and he said, Sergeant, have the men execute a great right wheel. Swing the left first. Do it now. Lieutenant Melcher, the flag bearer, had just walked up and he whispered to the sergeant, he said, what's a great right wheel? And the sergeant said, it's an all-out charge. This crazy man means to charge. Before anybody could argue with him, Chamberlain jumped up on the wall, swung his sword down the hill and said, charge, charge, get him. And they poured over the wall into history. Most of the people in our country hadn't even heard because 80 men, 80 men without ammunition, 80 men captured over 400 of the enemy. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Now, you might say, like, that's a cool story, but why are you sharing it? What does that have to do with the destiny of, you know, that, that has come from the dream of what America be, can be? Well, first of all, I mean, come on, guys. A bulletproof belt buckle? What's more American than that? <laughs> can, I, can I get an amen from my country music fans? I feel, 
I feel like that's in a country music song somewhere. I share that story because I really do believe it speaks to the destiny that God has for this amazing nation. This man was raised on those values of faith, morality, God-given law, godly education, and liberty, and he fought for what he believed in. And I believe that it changed the world as we know it. Listen, he charged over that hill that day with no ammunition. The Confederate army, thinking the only reason these crazy men, 80 men, knowing we're like 400 down here, the only reason that they would charge over this hill is if they had reinforcements. So the Confederate army freaked out, dropped their weapons, turned around, and ran. Within minutes, he had his bayonet at the throat of the captain of the Confederate army, and he said, you, sir, are my prisoner. To which the the captain replied by handing him his fully loaded Navy Colt revolver and said, yes, sir, I am. Shortly after that, his 80 men captured over 400. Now, historians believe that if he had not charged in that moment and he had lost that hill and the Confederate had been able to take the high ground, that eventually the Union may have lost the Battle of Gettysburg. And if the Union had lost the Battle of Gettysburg, there's a good chance the South would have won the war. And a lot of people believe that if the South had won the war, that the the United States might be broken into the Union and the Confederacy. But historians actually think that if the South had won the war, there's a, a greater chance that we would be like the fragmented countries of Europe and there would be 9 to 13 different countries that, that occupy this land that is the United States of America today. And if we were 19 to th- 9 to 13 different countries in this land, we wouldn't have had the strength to fight off Hitler in World War II while he was advancing through uh, Europe, while at the same time having an, a population and an army large enough to fight off Emperor Hirohito, who was going through the, uh, the islands of the Pacific. So fighting a war like that on two fronts at the same time, and yet helping the Allied forces win that war. I personally believe that if Hitler had won that war, that the nation of Israel would not exist today. That nation that we were talking about in Ezekiel back here, where God says, I'm going to draw my people from the four corners of the earth and bring them back. And this is a prophetic uh, uh, promise to his people. It's also a prophecy that says, like, once that happens, it's, you know, it's part of the prophetic structure that leads to the returning of Christ. That moment where that guy was standing for those values... He was walking in the destiny, destiny of the dream of America to say, we are a country that believes in God. We have faith in God. I wonder in that moment if when he was stressed out and he was thinking this seems impossible, if he was remembering Matthew 19.26 where it says, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. Or if when he was wondering, do I have the courage and will my men have the courage, these 80 men to fight against 400, if he remembered Psalm 46.1 where it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Or when everybody on his team was telling him to attack, if he remembered what God had said to his namesake, Joshua, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Guys, when we say that it is important to teach the word of God to your children, (laughs) there's a reason for it. There's going to be times in life where you're going to have to call upon that knowledge, where you're going to have to call upon that faith. When I stand up here and say I'm proud to be an American, this, this is why. This nation has a destiny to make, name, make the name of God known in this world. And you can see it throughout history. And now we're called upon as a generation that's standing between the full destiny of what America can be and the dream. And we kind of have to hold on to both and say, don't forget our roots. We must stand on our Christian foundation following our faith in God standing on morality built on his statutes, abide by his law, teach our children his ways, and recognize that our freedoms come from him. 
The reason so many people around this world want to come into this country by whatever means is because it represents the freedom that we have in Christ. That's what they're really after. They might think it's because, man, I want to be a part of the American dream to, to get a house and a car and, and make a million dollars. But at its core, what they're, what they're hungry for, what their spirits are hungry for, is what Christ has given us, right? As Christians, we are free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that is what this nation represents. And now, this is my challenge to you, to you after this message today. Remember our roots and then take those roots as Christians. What is, it, what is a nation? A nation's a group of people that occupy a common space, right? So we technically are the nation of America. <laughs> it's the people. And it's, it's up to us, it's our responsibility to take those values that this nation was founded on and bring them into those seven mountains of society that Pastor Kurt spoke on a couple months ago. It's our job to say, we're going to bring God into the family unit, into religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. Right? So that's my challenge to you guys this morning. When, when you tell people this weekend, when people say to you, God bless America, when you hear that on the songs on the radio, remember, God blesses America because at its core, America first blessed God. I know that's cliche, but that is, that is the truth. Amen? All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for letting me share this morning.